Hey guys, this is Gabe, one of the co-hosts of the Nothing But Nylon podcast, powered by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio, letting you know that very soon we will be transitioning to our own page. So if you're enjoying our content, be sure to catch us there. Episodes will be releasing on both pages for the next few weeks as we transition over to the new spot. And thank you guys for supporting us as we begin our second season of Nothing But Nylon. Enjoy the episode. And welcome back to a new season of Nothing But Nylon with Gabe and Tyreek. We're back, man, our second season, and we got some Buckeye basketball to talk about, man. First off, Gabe, man, how's it feel to be back in the podcast studio? Man, it feels good. Quick plug. Obviously, me and Tyreek, we do a lot of podcasting. We have some outside activities that we're involved in, so maybe we'll have to link other things we do. But it's just a different feeling when you're physically in the room together, I think. It's just the way you flow, the way the conversation goes, you know. There's some delays with digital things and all that kind of stuff. So just being able to sit, talk to somebody face-to-face and really get locked in in that separate environment and just go in for like half hour to 40 minutes to even close to an hour sometimes, I'm excited. Yes, sir, here on the Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio Podcast Network, man. The one place where you can get some Ohio State basketball news, and we're here to talk about it, man. I mean, we got already the exhibition underway, which happened last week, and we have a game tonight, which when you guys hear this, the game would have will have already passed, but we, we will touch on it. But I think we want to start with the exhibition, man, because we got to see a team that is full of a lot of new faces, only three returning players from last season, and there's a lot of new faces, a lot of freshmen on this team. Um, Gabe, I, I just want to get your thoughts. You know, what did you see from the exhibition, maybe a player that stood out to you, you know, that really caught your eye? Uh, well, I think there's an obvious answer here. And obviously the minutes were spread out, you know, when you're playing an exhibition like this, uh, a team that you're expected to beat by a lot, who you did end up beating by a lot. It's just a time to really set some lineups and kind of show up the talent you got and sort of get some of your lineups and rotations more in focus. And so for this specific game, I'm going to have to highlight somebody who you're probably a big fan of from the Dayton area, transferred from Wright State. Tanner Holden, man, 10 for 12, 2 for 2 from 3, 25 points, leading all scorers in the game. Impressive night for him, man. I think really good first showing in an Ohio State uniform for him. Obviously, there'll be a lot bigger games to come, a lot more tougher opponents, but to really set a good first impression and really start to get yourself into the hearts of Buckeye fans, I think he did a really good job. Yeah, definitely. Um, I might be a little biased towards him. You know, he went to Wright State, was balling out there, averaged over 20 points a game. And I got to talk to him um, a couple weeks ago on a story that I was working on. Just a cool dude overall. Like, really enjoyed the conversation with him. And, you know, I'm excited to see what he brings to this team. You know, one of a few transfers that we got him, Sean McNeil, Isaiah Lightgill. Like, a lot of new faces coming from, you know, bigger programs that where they had success at. So, to see him go 10 to 12, and, you know, really play well, even coming off the bench, was definitely a sight to see. Um, player I would highlight, though, man, is the freshman guard, Bruce Thornton, man. G- getting 11 assists, only two turnovers, and your first taste of college basketball action. Obviously, we know Shamanad is not a heavy hitter, obviously. They're not a Division One team. But still, that's the first game environment. And we saw, like, th- these scrimmages or exhibition games are not always guaranteed. Like, Louisville lost their exhibition game. So it's not always guaranteed. Like, you could you could come out flat and then give the other team confidence. But Ohio State didn't do that. Um, definitely impressive, man. I mean, this is kind of a different territory for not only just, you know, Coach Oltman, but just Ohio State in general. Like, there's a lot of freshmen on this team that are going to be leaned on heavily. And it's good to see that, you know, the point guard, Bruce Thorne, was playing really good. And I'm excited to see, you know, what he can produce tonight as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely been talk of – There's obviously a lot of very talented young players on this team, but I think he's kind of been highlighted as somebody who will be a little bit more game-ready. Obviously, we see him in the starting lineup. I think most people expect him to be there for most of the season as sort of this team's primary playmaker, lead guard in a lot of situations. Because when you look at the returning players, you know, you got Zedke, you got Justice Suing, who is still out as of right now. I think he should be playing soon, if not tonight. I think it's more just a precautionary thing to have him out. I think he's really ready to go for the most part. And then Gene Brown is dealing with that concussion, so he should probably be back pretty soon as well, I would assume. But if you had noticed, none of those are guards. So 
that's definitely a position where somebody needs to step up more than anything. And so, yeah, to see a guy come out 11-2, to I mean, a, a, over a 5-1 to assist-to-turnover ratio in your first taste of college action, even in an exhibition, that's a really promising sight for a team that's really going to need that this year. Definitely. Kind of a similar issue to last season's team. Um, you know, you got the wings, you got the bigs and everything, you got shooters. But point guard play kind of lacked last year. You know, I think like Jamari Wheeler, he did fine as a transfer came in. But there wasn't really any depth behind them. And that's always an issue if you don't have guards behind you. They can at least provide competent minutes. You know, that's how sometimes, you know, maybe a guy gets in foul trouble or just he's playing shaky and you need somebody in to come and settle the team down. I don't know if this team really has that right now. We'll see maybe who does step up in that role. But you just look through the roster. Like, you got a lot of guys that are, like, true wing players or true bigs. Like, it's not really that much diversity in the backcourt. So, Bruce Thorne is going to have his hands full as a true freshman coming in and being really the sole point guard on the roster. Yeah, it's like there definitely is when you just talk about guard depth. It's like you have Ice, you know, you have Sean, you have Tanner. But at the end of the day – a guy like Tanner, he's more of a scorer. I think that's going to be more of his role. Some lineup for like projections have him to be more in the starting lineup. But when I look at like what's his best impact going to be on this team, it's probably coming in, scoring, so maybe he's more of like a bench punch type player. Whereas, yeah, a guy like Bruce, like that more primary playmaking focused guy, that's going to be a little bit more rare to come by. So his impact is definitely not to spoil anything in the future of this episode. <laughs> But I think his impact is going to be pretty big. Definitely. And, you know, one thing we learned, like, last season, you know, covering this team, talking about them every week, it seemed like there was a different lineup every week. Coach Roman was not afraid to make changes. So, you know, what we see, you know, sites projecting or what the starting lineup was in the exhibition game probably will change at some point in the season. Like, Tanner might end up in that starting five at some point. So, it's just a lot of new faces, man. Like, it's just – it's kind of tough to predict this team. I think even more so than last year. I know – um, I think the episode that got lost last year, last season when we were doing our award picks, we were just kind of talking like we didn't know what to expect. And I think this team is probably even more of a mystery because, yeah, we have the returning guys, but, I mean, at least last year we knew EJ's an All-American caliber player. We knew Malachi had the flashes of greatness, which he ended up, I think, even exceeding our expectations. But now it's like we don't really know. Like there's a lot of questions about this team that, you know, will have to be answered at some point during the season. Yeah, I think that is true. You know, when we're talking about, like, when we were predicting awards last year, it's like EJ Liddell was the MVP. I Easy. think I had Defensive Player of the Year. I think I had, like, Justice. I think I did, too. And I think, obviously, you can't account for injuries. But as a guy who was, like, an older returning veteran on the team, you expected to be, like, the primary wing guy. I mean, that was, like, there were safe predictions to make things like that. Like, there was only two transfers, and I think we both expected Jamari to really be the guy who stepped up a little bit more. So just, like, across the board, it was like, okay, there's some new faces, but I think a lot more structure because you knew what the team was building around. Now it's sort of just, like, there isn't a centerpiece to go around, and maybe somebody will break out this season. And then going forward, you're like, okay, this is clearly our number one guy. This is maybe our number two guy supporting him. And that's how we bring players into the transfer. This is what we're more looking to recruit and things like that. But on a more general scale, just talking about it right now, yeah, we really, we don't know. And so we're going to come out here and we're going to do predictions to the best of our ability. But at the end of the day, we can't really predict somebody coming in from high school and taking 15 games to adjust to the college game versus somebody who might come in day one and just be raring and ready to go. Yeah, and I, I think that's what makes it fun at the same time because we get to see this team, like, progress through the season. A lot of young guys, which, like I mentioned, you know, early in, that, in this episode, like, kind of unprecedented territory. Like, we haven't really seen an Ohio State team with a pl plethora of freshmen come in, and these guys are going to be leaned upon heavily. So it's going to be fun, man. I mean, I don't, it's interesting. You, you know what I love to say, man. The Big Ten is, is very wacky. It's a, a tough conference to win in. So this team is going to, you know, have their hands full this season, you know, because no matter what expectations at Ohio State, it's to be a competitive team. So I think we expect this team to be competitive, but it's just how competitive will they be? That's still a sight to be seen. And it should be a fun conference across the board, man. Like, just thinking about it, like, 
Ohio State's very young, and I can't speak for all the other teams in terms of their total depth and their total rosters, but, like, you think of who we were talking about as the best players alongside EJ last year, like, Jaden Ivey's in the NBA. Keegan Murray's in the NBA. Like, they're gone. Those teams are moving forward as well. And so this season, I think you're going to see a lot of new stars break out, and it's going to be a lot of different faces that are the premier players in this conference. So it should be should be really fun to see, obviously, early on, non-conference play, and not going to see a lot of these matchups against each other. But especially as we get towards January, February, it should be a really good time. Yeah, even looking at the top 25, um, obviously Ohio State's unranked going into the season, which I think is fair. You know, there's you know, not a lot of – returning faces that were super impactful last season and a lot of freshmen that you know we just don't know how they're going to perform so I think that's fair that Ohio State's unranked right now but even like the Big Ten in general I mean Indiana's the highest ranked team at 13 and then you look below them I think Michigan at 22 and then Illinois at 23 like there's not a ton of teams in the Big Ten I feel like last season there was a lot of teams that were ranked in the top 25 especially throughout the season but going into the year it's not really that you know that many heavy hitters so maybe Ohio State can use that to their advantage and, you know, try and get into Big Ten play and play really well. Yeah, man, I agree. I think as everybody's kind of trying to figure themselves out and really forge their own identity, you know, maybe maybe we can be that team that steals a couple and is just, like, young and hungry and goes out, has something to prove, and maybe we steal a couple more than we're expected. I still don't really know where I fully expect this team to end up. To me, I'm probably – thinking somewhere around the middle of the pack. I think that's my, like, general just, like, realistic outlook is, like, okay, I don't think we're going to be bottom feeders because I think Coach Holtman has showed, obviously, we have a couple players that have returned from our winning ways of the past. And just enough consistency has been there over the past few years to where I highly doubt this team would become bottom feeders of any sort. But I also just don't think they're going to be able to figure it out quick enough to really finish at the top of the top. Now, if these players are like, I think the thing is like you have to have players that are at that certain level where they're good enough to compete for a top spot in the conference, but they're not so good that then they leave to the NBA. Mm -hmm. It's like if you want to be at the top, especially in the Big Ten, like I know we saw like two top five picks come out of this conference this past year, but I feel like that's more of a rarity than anything. But usually – to compete in this conference, like, you're going to need a lot, a lot of high-level talent. And so it's like that high-level talent is then just leaving. It is hard to form that consistency. So it makes it a really weird situation. But I think the fact that we brought in, like, a lot of four-stars especially, you don't have, like, that five-star guy that everybody's expecting to be a one-and-done. Now, does that happen sometimes with prospects? Like, I don't think anybody expected Malachi to be one-and-done. Maybe a couple did. But then he ended up playing so well that it happened. And – he wasn't really highly touted on draft boards early in the season. He really made a name for himself and came up as the season progressed. So you really just don't know. But if you can get some guys that you look at and you're like, okay, they're not going to be gone, but they're so good that they can be our player of the future, I think that's really what you're looking for this year. And then maybe as you get into 2023, 2024, you have these guys that are coming back and are like third-year players, maybe get a couple transfers along the way to build around them, and all of a sudden this team is contending. College basketball is kind of – transitioning back to how it was like teams the top teams are having guys return you know North Carolina basically has four of their five starters from national championship team coming back Gonzaga has guys returning Houston has guys returning these are all the teams at the top you know Kentucky Kansas Baylor you know Duke's really like the only anomaly in the top 10 that's like they have a lot of freshmen but Duke gets the five-star top 10 guys coming in like you mentioned Ohio State has you know top guys for their standards but they're four-star guys so this year might be like that transitional period for them, like learning the ropes, you know, pr- improving as the season goes on. I think I don't like like you said, it's kind of hard to predict how this team like what they can be. I think making a tournament will be a pretty big success. Personally, I think just making the tournament will be a success for them. You know, you're going into the season yeah. unranked. So I think just making the tournament, whether it's as a five seed, an eight seed, I don't care. Making the tournament, I think, would be good for them, you know, especially for these young guys because unless some one of these dudes just blow up as the season goes on and just become, you know, a, a top-tier pick in this draft, I could expect all of them to be back next year. 
So I think making the tournament, just learning, improving your game as the year goes on, improving as a team as the season goes on, will be a big success for the team, which is kind of funny to say because I feel like the talk around Coach Holman is, oh, you know, he hasn't had much tournament success since he got here. But this is a different team, man, probably less talented right now compared to teams of the past. So I think if they get to March Madness, I think that is a huge success for this program. You know, I was kind of thinking the same thing, thinking like making the tournament with this team, you think of what this team has been in the past couple years. And not only, especially last year, was he sort of relied on stars to get there with just a collection of guys that are all around the same level. And then especially, and this is really my main takeaway with this, is a team that has been known in this era to fall flat at the end of the season and sort of have those end-of-season slides fall at the very last second. Last year, you know, we were probably talking about being a pretty high-seeded team, and then all of a sudden we get to the tournament, and it's like we just did not they, finish they, good enough to they, Didn't they lose to Nebraska and then Maryland? We lost to <laughs> Penn State in the, in the Big Ten tournament. Like, whoa. They saw some. They saw some bad losses. We uh, we came on here a couple times and we were we were kind of shocked because remember the Illinois game. I think Malachi had another big road game, like thirty five points. Yeah, yeah, and we won. They won on the road, and we kind of came back after that one. Or maybe there was a game in between that contest and our next episode, and we were expecting to come in and talk about. Oh, you know that was a big win. They handled business. Yeah. I think it was Nebraska. The next game. And then they ended up losing to Nebraska. And we was kind of like, oh, that's a gut punch. That is a big gut punch. And it ended up kind of spiraling, the avalanche effect. And I was kind of surprised that they won their first tournament game, to be honest. That shocked yeah. me. And for long, like for so long last season, I'd come on and I'd be like, okay, sometimes you do need to get punched in the mouth to learn how to get back up. But then it got super late in the season, and I'm like, okay. That's the worst time to get punched in the mouth. That's maybe <laughs> – that might be the knockout blow, man. That might be like you don't have time to improve from that. But like, yeah. This year with less expectations, it might make it like they might be less likely to fold cuz the pressure is not really there. But at the same time, I don't know how much that was on the players versus being on like the staff and the system. I think it's it's a combination. You know, it's never all right on one person or part of the team it's a little bit of everything um you know obviously we weren't in that locker room so we can't really speak on what the vibe was or you know what was being said or anything you know we just know what we see on the court what we hear in the media but I think it's a combination of things and I think coach Allman knows that and I think he knows he has to be better on his part you know he's gotten the extension you know he's you know he was great at Butler he hasn't had a ton of success here but you know I would argue that Ohio State has turned into a different kind of program basketball-wise. Like, recruiting is kind of heating up in in Columbus. Like, it's not what it once was where you're only getting guys that are hometown kids, you know, or home state kids. Now you're getting guys from Florida. You're getting guys from all across the country. So it's good and bad. Um, That's why I think this season is kind of like transitional period, but can be a prove-it type season like Coach Holman can. You know, if he overachieves with this team, it's going to look very good on him. But if they aren't great – it's not going to be terrible because it's like, look at what we had on our plate. Like we didn't have an All American coming back, you know, after he declared for the draft. Like it's not, it's not going to be that bad. Yeah, and I think especially if that like end of season slide happens again, then that really will be a moment of like, okay, maybe this is more on the system because in years past, like obviously there's always going to be roster turnover, but there were quite a few familiar faces that would come back from year to year. But this year, when it's like almost a completely new cast of who you're relying on, if you start to see those exact same tendencies, it's like, okay, now this is a culture and a pattern within this program, not within this roster. That's the perfect word. Like, the culture should shift a little more, you know. I feel like this team should be a little more fun because it's a lot of freshmen, a lot of young guys. And the guys that are returning, um, you know, Zeki, I think he's a good leader. Um, You know, I think this is his season to kind of step up, break out a little bit. And, you know, other guys coming in. You got vets coming in in the transfer portal, too. Like, like man, I tell this story all the time, bro. Sean McNeil, another guy that played some college basketball in the Dane area, so I'm a little biased to him. But he went to Sinclair, which is, like, it's right around where Wright State is, like, basically same area. 
and he's basically averaging like 30 points in JUCO, like dog. And I think he he broke records at West Virginia. So, you know, I think he's going to be a big addition to this team. Um, definitely a solid, capable, lights-out shooter. I think he's going to be big for them. And you just look through the roster, man, I, I think there's a chance that this team kind of surprises us a little bit. I think that's definitely a possibility. You know, because the fact that we don't know where we're going to get from these freshmen kind of makes it a little more exciting. And even the guys that are coming back, those – like Eugene, glue guy. We we were saying that last year. Like he's kind of the glue guy to the same same thing with that key. So I think you know this team might catch some people by surprise, man. But their early season schedule is kind of tough. You know, you look before like Big Ten play really starts, man. It's not easy. Um, the first three games were kind of should be cakewalks. You know, you got Robert Morris tonight, Charleston Southern, and Eastern Illinois. Those should be cakewalks. All home games too. Ohio State lost some like. The most random games last year, though, so it's like almost lost to Akron opening night too. <laughs> you can't really, you can't really call anything easy. That's why I said should. You know, obviously it's basketball. We play the game for a reason, but then you look at the tough games. You go to Maui. You got San Diego State off rip. Then you don't know who you're gonna play after that. Cincinnati or Arizona could be tough games there. <sighs> got to play Duke in Durham. It's not ideal. Um, even though you beat them last year, it's not ideal. Different team. And then North Carolina at the CBS Sports Classic, which, remember, got canceled last season. Yes. Those are just all no, the non-conference games. And then you get into Big Ten play. So it, it's going to be tough, man. Um, I think it might even be more difficult than last season just because, at least in those games, you had EJ to lean on a little bit. Um, and you had a little more veteran presence as far as, like, backcourt play goes and stuff like that. This season is kind of unknown, man. So we really just have to wait and see, honestly. I like that though. Scheduling tough, especially during it like like we keep saying this transition period. You're playing against tough competition. You're sort of feeding these guys the wolves a little bit. I mean, this sounds kind of corny, but it's going to build some character. It's going to build some culture. It's definitely going to make the team better. It's going to probably make most if not all of the players better just going through that experience like trying to compete with Duke in North Carolina is going to get you a lot more experience towards winning high-level games than games that you win 150. I agree. Um, there's such things as I'm not obviously not banking on them losing those games, but if they do lose those games and they're competitive, that's that's good for this team. You know, rather than, like you said, beating a low-level D1 team by 50 points. You know, you gain a lot more from those tough games against higher-level competition – and like you said, Duke, Carolina, those are two teams that were just in the Final Four last year. And Carolina's returning basically everybody. So tough games to start the season, man, but it could be a blessing in disguise, you know, when they look back at it at the end of the year. Yeah, and like I said, if they're trying to become a contender in this conference with them, maybe in the nation one day in the next couple of years, it's like, okay, now is now is when you want to go through that and get into that growth period and go through these tougher matchups then later and then you know it, honestly i i don't expect this team to like then start scheduling easier but at least you set that precedent now where it's like this team not conference play is not a cakewalk we're not just ramping up towards conference play it's like we're on go facing the best of the best all year long and you always have to be ready and honestly it'll probably just it may help to keep the team in that mindset of like a hundred percent, we're going all out every game because you got a tough opponent almost every night. And so I, I think it'll make them very prone to never falling asleep, always staying hungry, and I think the youth will help with that as well too. And now it's time for what everybody's probably waiting for, award predictions, man. Everybody loves award predictions. Everybody loves award predictions. They do love a good prediction. And they didn't get these from us last season because um, technical difficulties in the episode kind of forced it to where we couldn't even put the episode out. So we got a war picks game. Ohio State basketball. Yeah. I feel like we're kinda cursed on this, man. I, I don't I don't know, man. First thinking, episodes of the new season just always have to have something going on wrong, but it's okay. It's okay. Do you remember any of your picks from last season uh, other than the obvious like EJ for MVP? Uh yeah, for the most part I feel like uh, I know transfer of the year. 
I feel like I got right. I think I had Cedric as my transfer. I'm pretty sure I had Jamari. For rookie, I had Malachi. Pretty clear. Slash freshman of the year. Pretty clear. That was pretty clear, so got that right. Uh, I think we said earlier I had justice for defensive player, which I was wrong. I think I did. (sighs) That's injury. That's injury-based, so I'm not going to take the L on that because if he was healthy, who knows? You had um, his name is slipping my mind. Justin, Justin Owens. You had him for six man of the year. I did. I, I did have that. him for six man of the year, and that was one of those things where lineups are not set. Yeah, yeah. He was not on the bench for most of the year. I feel like last year when he went to the bench, though, he started Played playing better. a little bit better. The Russell so, Westbrook know, vibes because he was shooting. He was shooting kind of bad. Yeah, no. Literally everybody in all the social media interactions was like. <laughs> they need to bench. They need to bench Justin, man. I'm so tired of seeing him in this lineup, man. Why is he? Why is he still playing? As soon as he went to the bench, he started playing so much better. So it's like, you know what? I'm gonna take a double on that prediction because maybe if he played on the bench the whole season, it wouldn't have been so. It wouldn't have been so bad for him. I don't even know who would have been six man of the year last season, honestly. Like just thinking off the top of my head, it just seems like it was somebody different off the bench every game. Yeah, you think like. Like, Cedric would have just random games where he'd pop off, but then he'd score, like, two points. Get, like, nine minutes the next game or something yeah. like that. <laughs> like, Gene Brown was looking pretty good off the bench for a while, but then he ended up starting. He ended up coming on the starting lineup. That's the thing. We, we were talking about right at the beginning of the episode how literally there'd be a different starting lineup once a week. Facts. It's like you talk about a six-man of the year when it seems like everybody started half their games. It's kind of just a shot in the dark, you know. What we saw in the ex- exhibition game. What other outlets are kind of saying about lineups, and we just kind of kind of got to throw it together and see if it sticks. That's the thing you're talking about, like the exhibition game, but the exhibition game had no justice and no gene, and those are two guys who Impactful one would have been a starter <laughs> if he played last year, and one worked his way into the starting lineup last year. So, both super super impactful players, man. Yeah, I don't know. Like one of these depth charts that I'm looking at doesn't even have Eugene listed. Which is, like, kind of crazy because he's going to be a part of the rotation once he gets back. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe he's not on there because he's out right now, but I'm like, maybe, but uh, he's definitely he's definitely a, a guy who's going to get significant minutes. He got significant minutes last year, and this team is, like, all new. At worst, a top player coming off the bench for sure. Like, that's at worst, as long as he's healthy, man. Get well soon. All right, man, you want to get into these? Yeah, um, where do you want to start? Ooh, 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 ooh. Let's start, with, let's start with MVP. Let's just go okay. ahead and dive into it, man. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. I made safe picks. I made safe picks. Made safe picks. I, I think I did so. Yeah, probably. Okay. But so, this is my logical basketball opinion, though, so. Right. Uh, so, yeah. I had Zedke. I did so. Uh, I'm just thinking, even just look at the scrimmage. Seven for nine. He took threes. He didn't make them, but he's taking them now, which is a good sign. Happy to see him expand his game, try to improve his own stuff. Even though people might see this team struggling and blaming on everybody around him because they're all new, he's still kind of taking that initiative and is like, okay, I really want to round out my game. I really want to improve and be the best player that I can be still. And so, that I mean, that's the thing I like to see from returning players, man. It's like, He's still trying to add new dynamics, new layers to his game, even though his spot is pretty much about as secure as anybody's gets on this team. Also, it's just when you're looking at a team that has a lot of new faces, new places, roles are not set, his role, I'll say, pretty much is. And so from that sense, I just think the level of consistency you'll see from him all season is why I gave him the nod as this team's MVP. Now, once you get to, like, February, one of these freshmen might be playing insane. But I just don't know if I expect them to play as strong throughout November, December. Because you think like last year, imagine there's no EJ. Malachi was really only averaging maybe around 10 points a game, maybe a little bit less until around conference play time. And then he really popped off. And so thinking about that, like, it's going to probably take some of these other guys a while to really get into full form. But I think Zed Key will just be Zed Key all season, and that'll give him the nod. I'm mad we have the same pick. I am. Um, I, I also had Zed for my MVP. 
Um, I just think we've seen traditionally Ohio State players that stay for their third year, they take a jump. And I think he's bound to take a jump. There's a lot of front court. I mean, it's opened up. You see him trying to expand his game, like you mentioned. So I can see him taking a nice leap this season and being this team's best player. Um, on both ends of the floor, I can see that being the case, you know, potentially. Um, so we'll see about that. But, yeah, no, I think they're going to lean on him a lot, like you said, in non-conference play um, because he he's basically their vet, you know, that's been in this program. So I'm expecting him to take a big jump, and I think he's going to be very productive, man. Like when you see guys, you know, talking about their Big Ten all-conference teams for the preseason, Zeki's not a name that is mentioned. You know, Trace Action Davis is mentioned. There's other bigs that are mentioned, Zach Eady. Nobody's talking about Zed, man. I think Zed's going to definitely, you know, turn some heads this season. Yeah, obviously, I would agree with that, turning heads, because I wouldn't have him as my pick if not. Did you have a runner-up for this award? Um, I actually didn't, no. Kind of not – it's similar to last year. Like, we just kind of knew it was EJ. But if there was a player that would maybe challenge Zed – I feel like it would have to be a transfer, man. Like maybe Tanner Holden comes in, eventually gets that strong spot, and is really like the go-to perimeter scorer. Like that's really the only guy that I could see like potentially being this team's best player just because Tanner has been a 20-point-per-game scorer at the Division One level. Yeah, I, I had I had Justice as a runner-up just because like it seems like he can be really good. And if he's really as ready to go – and all the reports are saying he's looked better than he ever has. Like, everything's going really well. Obviously, we had pretty high expectations for him before. He was a starter on this team before all the injuries. He, like, could be really good. It's just those injury concerns that, like, really prevent me from putting him there. Because say he does come back, what if he's in and out for, like, half the season? Yeah. Or just it takes him a while to find his footing, other things like that. And so it prevents me from giving him the full nod. But just at his peak, I think he could challenge. He's a, he's a wild card for this team, I think, to be good. You know, having him last year would have been a big-time help for this team. But hopefully he's just able to just be on the court consistently. I think that's the next step for him. It's just being able to play, not be worried about getting banged up, just being able to be available for this team. And then we can start talking about, you know, how big is his impact going to be. Yeah, and uh, I think speaking of big impact. Hold on. Uh, I hope this isn't, like, kind of spoil. Okay, but okay. if there was a freshman that you could see potentially taking that insane jump that you were talking about and maybe being the best player, who would it be? It's not even a spoiler. Okay. It's not a spoiler. I'm going to go with Bryce. I agree. Just because I think he's the one that shows, like, those athletic flashes, those just, like, this dude could be a legit monster. I just don't think he'll get there instantly. I think he is one of those guys that will look, like, better later in the year. But the amount of natural talent on him is, like, his ceiling looks crazy. He's an NBA-built wing player right now. Like, he's he has that type of, you know, potential, like, just athletically speaking, like you said. That, that was going to be my guy, too. You know, I could definitely see him popping off at some point in the season and being, like, one of the top two or three guys on this team, honestly. I could see that. All right. So I just want to get this out of the way while we're here. I'm going I'm to do a repeat pick of last year just because I think he'll actually be here this time. I had Justice as my depoy last year. I'm going to run it back, man. I think if he's going to come back, I think a lot of the new guys that you see on the team, especially when you think of like a Tanner Holden and guys like that, a lot of scoring. I think maybe if Justice comes in and he's like, all right, let me lock down on the other end, be this team's primary wing guy, and really just lock in on defense. I think he has a lot of natural talent there. And so I'm going to put him for that just to salvage my pick from last year. Blame it on the injuries. Double down. See if I can take a W on it. My runner-up, though, is Zed Key, just because I didn't want to give the same guy an award twice. That's valid. But I think that you saw his impact on defense last year. 
obviously he was the man locking down the paint for the Buckeyes, you know. EJ got a lot of blocks, did a lot of defensive stuff, but when he wanted to focus more on offense, Zed was right there behind him to provide a lot of good defensive impact. So once again, the same two guys I got for MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, just in the opposite order, but I think that shows how highly I think of them. That's valid. I also had Justice as my depoy. I think I had EJ last season, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think I thought about Justice, but I think I had EJ as my pick. Um, yeah, it's like I said earlier about Justice, it's just about being on the court because I think once he's there, um, he's going to be super valuable, you know, as long as he's able to stay healthy, especially on the defensive side of the floor. I just think he can plug in a lot of gaps that this team kind of lacked last season, you know, until, like, Eugene kind of stepped up, you know, was a consistent rotational player. But I think Justice – is better. I think he's more talented, and I think he's shown us more flashes when he's on the court. So, you know, hopefully he's just able to play the right amount of games because I think he can be probably the most important defender for this team. His numbers may not jump off the page like you would expect, but I think if you watch the tape, if you watch, you know, his impact on, on the game, you'll kind of see just how much he provides to this team defensively. Man, so we're, we're two for two on agreeing, man. I, I, if we end up agreeing on all these, that would be – That'd be pretty anticlimactic. I know. I hope we change. Um, let's let's go to freshman, man. Um, I'll, I'll go first this time. <sighs> you know, I, I love me some good point guard play, man. What I saw in the scrimmage, the exhibition game, I'm sorry, I keep saying scrimmage. Even though he shot one for seven, man, the 11 assists, two turnovers. Oh, no. You got the same guy? Oh, no. I got Bruce, man. I think opportunity is there. Minutes are there. He's going to be a starter day one, it seems like. And there's not really anybody to challenge him for that guard spot. And I think he's already shown a little bit like, you know, he's solid. And I think the shooting will improve as the season goes on. I think the playmaking might not be 11 assists, 11 assists every night, but I think he'll be solid enough and get guys the ball in their spots where they need it. And I think he will be a steady point guard for this team, man. I think nothing is more important than having steady point guard play with upside to be even better, you know, once he gets his confidence really rolling offensively. So Bruce Dorn, man, that's, that's my freshman of the year. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. People probably think this is scripted now. Yeah, bro. We're uh, three for three. We're following the script right now. Uh, <laughs> we we're really bad script makers, if that's the case. Because terrible. You think, if you want to script a show, I just want some debate. We want some difference, so we can start arguing and get really intense over here. Because that, that's it's not yeah, happening. Man, the drama is what we're here for, bro. So, uh, yeah, like I just like I said about a couple minutes ago, that Bryce, his ceiling is like, it seems, I don't want to say limitless, but really, really, really high. But I think Bruce is like more of what this team needs right now starting the season. Like we said earlier, his playmaking is going to be so valuable because this is a team that doesn't really have a lot of that. It's probably one of the bigger weaknesses. So him filling that hole is going to be massive. And so you're going to see his impact right from day one. Now, like you said, will he be 11 assists every night? Yeah, probably not. But is he going to be one for seven every night? Yeah, probably not. And so I think once those two kind of come back together and he kind of probably falls back to what he's actually going to be throughout the course of the season, it's going to look look somewhere somewhere in a happy medium of those two. But I'm, I'm high on him, man. He seems pretty college-ready ready to just like transition over a little bit quicker than some of the other freshmen so I think he'll have a pretty easy time getting this award even if other guys may make their cases in February and March yeah it's good to have a point guard that's college ready because that's probably one of the more difficult positions to like just translate to the next level we see it a lot in the NBA guard struggle see it in college too guard struggle to kind of transition to you know different tempo to the game you know, having more talented dudes around him and more talented competition too. So, be interesting to see. Hopefully, the the exhibition wasn't just a, you know, a hoax. You know, hopefully, like that is the type of potential that he has. So, you know, we'll see. Obviously, better than one one for seven from the floor. We'll see better for, than that for sure. But, I just think a lot of opportunity will be there, man. Like, I doubt Coach Holtman will have these players on a short leash. I kind of has no choice with Bruce unless like. You want to start um, Isaac Lykeel at the one and then bring in Tanner. Like, if you want to go with super vets in your, in your lineup, maybe that's the only way that happens. But 
And I don't know if that's a good idea because then you get there, then it's like now your bench might be getting killed because there's no veteran presence on there. Definitely. So I don't know. We'll see, man. Coach Holman definitely has his – he's got tools at his disposal this season, man. That's one thing for sure. And we're three for three on picks. Same. I don't like that at all. Um, okay. Let's see. Let's see. There's no fathomable way that we match up on six man of the year because we don't even know what the lineup's going to be. So, like, there's, like, probably five different players you could pick for that award. So I want to save that for the end because I feel like we might go four for four here on transfer of the year. We might. I don't know. I, we, I, don't, I don't know. Um, you go first. You go first. Uh, well, I'm saying we might have the same here because – I've got the man from from the Dayton area, from close to close to your hometown. I've got Tanner. Okay. Because it just seems like he'll get a lot of shine. Obviously, scored the most points in the exhibition match. Uh, but just overall, guy that's a proven scorer, more of a proven commodity. I mean, obviously, most transfers are proven commodities somewhat. But just... A guy who can provide a better scoring punch than almost anybody on this roster and is ready to do that from day one, I think will be very valuable, especially if he comes off the bench and leads this team's bench unit. He's going to have a lot of shine this year and a lot of times where he might be their primary offensive option on the floor. And so just with the amount of opportunity he's probably going to have to get his shots and control the offense, I think the room will just be there for him to put up the stats and have some of that. Just like, you know, those highlights, those moments that kind of make people feel some kind of way towards giving you that that shine. Obviously, it's close between him and Ice. But I think with Ice being more in the starting lineup and having more players around him that are probably going to play bigger roles, it might limit his production a little bit, even if he will be really talented on the floor. And so while I think talent-wise and impact-wise they could be really close, just the situation that Tanner's going to be in I think will lead to a little bit more numbers. That's valid. Um, I do not have Tanner or Ice. Uh, I went a different route. Give me Sean McNeil, man. I think he should be in the starting lineup because you need floor spacing. You need floor spacing, and he is a – Essentially a record-breaking three-point shooter at West Virginia. He, he holds school records there. He's that good. Um, I mentioned earlier like how he can go off for 30 points. Lights-out shooter, man. Um, and I trust him more defensively maybe than you know having Justin Aarons there last year because Sean played at West Virginia, also known as Press Virginia, where Bob Huggins is going to have his guys pressing basically the entire game. So I trust him, man. I trust him defensively, and I think his impact – as a four spacer is going to be much, much needed here. Something that his team didn't really have consistently last season since Justin did struggle and fell out of the rotation at times. So I think Sean's going to really provide that, man. And maybe Tanner might average more points, but I think Sean's impact, especially if he's in, if he's in that starting lineup, is going to be seen every single game. You know, it's always good to have a lights-out shooter, somebody that can shoot 40%, you know, basically night in, night out. Yeah, I'm always afraid to, like, have a guy whose main thing is shooting because then it's like if your shot's not falling it's not looking so hot it's fine I mean when you're a record breaking shooter yeah I think you're not gonna see that slump you have from Justin last year that then it's like what are we doing here and there's more I think there's more in his bag too man Mm -hmm. like there's more in his bag than just you know straight up jump shooting you know I think he has some off the dribble skills as well which is needed as a as a shooter because obviously teams are going to want to run you off the line but I think he provides a little more than that so I'm, I'm excited he's probably one player him and Tanner I'm very excited to see just how they play I mean Sean's already played at a high level D1 school you know in um West Virginia but you know Tanner coming in from a mid-major at Rice State I'm excited to see how they adjust here yeah I think it should be interesting because both of them are like especially Tanner, are coming in where they were more or less like focal points of teams. Now, obviously, Sean has some time in West Virginia that was a little bit different than, say, St. Clair. But at the end of the day, it's like, how will your role adjust? And it it should be really interesting to look at because, obviously, you know a guy that has 30 points per night potential, but, I mean, that's not his role on this team. So then 
if he takes, okay, I'm not scoring 30 now, but now I'm going to take my seven shots and I'm going to get as good as possible at hitting those specific looks at being in this specific spot in this specific play and really owning in on that, like maybe they're just like box score numbers aren't as high, but maybe their efficiency goes like through the roof. I could definitely see that happen. Just playing with more talent potentially like would definitely help with that efficiency, you know, improve, man. But I don't think there's really a wrong choice here for the best transfer. I think all three of those guys are going to have like some big time impacts on this team. I would 100% agree talking about a lot of guys with impact. Let's go to six man of the year, man. Let's let's finish this okay. off. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead sort it off then, man. Um yeah. I got my guy Tanner, man. Um I think I think he'll be best suited to come off the bench. Um, you kind of touched on it a few minutes ago. Just having that veteran presence off your bench, a guy that can go get a bucket and can do other things too. He put the ball in his hands, he can make plays. I think just having that off of your bench will be very valuable to have and not something that this team had last season, you know, at all. Like, did not have that consistency off the bench. I think he can provide that. And even if he ends up being one of the, you know, best players on this team, I think his value off that bench will be key. And he'll probably finish a lot of games, you know, in their, you know, closing lineup. So I could see him having a, like, big-time season off of that Ohio State bench. Yeah, if he's if he's in one of those games where he gets hot, he will be in during winning time. If if Chris Holtman knows he's making shots that night, I think he's the kind of coach that'll be like, all right, you're going to stay in for as long as you're making shots. And if that ends up being all night, that ends up being all night. I think either way, he might just end up finding his way into that closing lineup consistently because he just plays the game the right way. He knows how to, you know, score the ball, defend, play make a little bit, so take a little bit of that pressure off of Bruce. And, you know, I just think having that presence in there would be key. And it's just not something, like I said, that this team had last season. Like, we kind of looked at the bench as a question mark. You know, now they have multiple guys that might be coming off the bench that can be high-impact players. Yeah, uh, I think that transitions well into my winner of the award because uh, I kind of try to stay, when I'm doing award predictions, of not giving one guy multiple things just so I can highlight multiple people. I definitely see an argument for Tanner, but I went with Gene Brown because... Homer pick. Homer, man... <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I'm just playing. We we love Gene on this podcast. Hey, yeah. Obviously, we talked very highly of him last year and his development. But then he's out with this concussion right now. Obviously, because if he didn't play, he wasn't in the starting lineup for the exhibition. You know, probably will not be. I think that'll put him in a position where maybe he's not in the starting lineup when he does come back. Because obviously, he worked his way back there last year. But now, you know, coming off an injury, working your way back in might lead to some bench games. And then maybe they just get into a flow where he just, like, stays in that role. And, I mean, we're talking about how Tanner might be in there in closing lineups. I feel like, Gene, if you're in a closing lineup where you need some defense on the other end or just, like, something a little bit different than what Tanner may provide, he could also be a guy for different reasons that may be in there in those closing lineups. And so I really do think that both of them are high-impact enough players to kind of serve that rule as, like, the top six man on this team, the top bench unit guy. And whereas Tanner really may make his case off of coming in and being that scoring punch off the bench, really leading that unit, I think Gene might be the guy who's off the bench, but he can really fit into almost every single lineup and do something incredibly valuable no matter what that is asked of him. Definitely. He's such a selfless player because he doesn't need the ball to be effective. We saw that last season. That's why he was such a plug-and-play type of guy. Like, he didn't play much of the early part of the season. Then they saw something in him, they needed him, and he produced right away. So, it's a good pick, man. He's somebody his numbers probably won't jump off the page, but his impact is going to be there. And you'll see it, you know, once you watch the games, watch the film, dissect it a little bit, you'll see, like, he's one of the more impactful players on this team. So, yeah, hopefully he gets well soon, man. That Concussions just sound nasty. Very nasty, especially in basketball. Like that's that's a tough one to to have. So hopefully he's he's back soon, and we know he's going to produce though. But just hopefully he gets back soon and he's ready to go. Yeah, I can say I feel very lucky that I've never experienced a concussion in my life. So yeah, going through that process and just like head injuries in general, just like the dangers and 
all of the negative side effects and sort of future trauma that comes with that. You really just wish nothing but the best for these guys. Obviously, I have him as my sixth man of the year pick, but if it's just like, if we need to keep him out for longer, let's do that. If we can bring him back early because he's okay to do that, that should be the mindset of the coaching staff. Like, I think they're good because, like we keep saying, transitional period, you know, when, if you don't win every game, like, I think it's more okay this year than any year. But prioritize that safety, man. Prioritize that safety over anything. Definitely, man. Wishing a healthy season for the Buckeyes and, you know, all their opponents as well. We got to get Eugene on the podcast. I think he would be a good first guest. Don't really hear much from him in the media, so, you know, might as well, because we talked about him a lot last season. A lot. <laughs> friend of the pod. Uh, honorary friend of the pod, even though he's never probably heard of us. Probably That's not, okay. but this is a, a fan. We are fans of Eugene Brown on this podcast, man. Avid fans. Yeah, unbiased coverage, but fans of fans of players and their work ethic, man. Most definitely. We're man. not rooting for any teams over any other teams. I'm nah. We just we just we just talk about the game of basketball here. Talk about Ohio State hoops, Big Ten hoops. That's what we do, man. But I mean, before we end the show, you got a score prediction for tonight's game? Uh, seventy-two fifty-one. Very close to mine. I was gonna say like, I was gonna say eighty-three to sixty. Okay. Yeah, I think the freshmen get in up a little bit, and they start, you know. Pushing the tempo a little bit, you know, I can see that happening. I, I respect it, man. Similar score differential. I just got a little bit more defense being played, or maybe just shots being missed. We will find out. Maybe, man. We will see. But hey, season two of Nothing But Nylon is here. Episode one in the books. Please, we appreciate all y'all's support, and tune in next week for another episode of Nothing But Nylon, where we'll have a little bit more game action to talk about. But this is Gabe and Tyreek signing off. We'll see y'all next time. Peace.